Hi, design enthusiasts. It's Laura here. Just wanted to start off this episode and let you know that we've created a freebie for you. Yes, we have. And it is in the show notes. Our number one episode downloaded since it came out is the welcome guide. And with that constantly being number one and trying to be appreciative of everyone and their kind words and how lovely they have been and how welcoming and how encouraging they've been. We created a template here at Thornton Design with our welcome guide and now we have made it that you can use that too. So there are two parts to the download. One is a template and the other one is a PDF that just shows you all the places I need you to implement your brand colors, your photos, your verbiage, and that way you can get started sending out this welcome guide to your or future clients as soon as possible. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope that you find this helpful in your business. And if you have any feedback, we love to get that feedback. So please go ahead and send that to us. Otherwise, let's get started with this episode of The Business of Beautiful Spaces. Welcome to The Business of Beautiful Spaces. I'm your host, Laura Thornton, Principal of Thornton Design. I'm beyond thrilled to bring you this podcast where I am going to share over 25 years of experience in the interior design As an experienced interior designer, I understand the challenges of running a successful business while also creating beautiful and functional spaces for our clients. Throughout my career, I've worked closely with trades and other professionals to bring my clients' vision to life. And along the way, I've learned a thing or two about balancing that creativity and practicality in my business. In this podcast, I aim to share my knowledge, my insight with you, other designers, covering all the aspects of the interior design industry, from the creative process to the business side of things, from selecting the right materials to managing budgets and timelines. I am going to share all the tips and tricks that I have learned over the years to help you run a successful interior design business. Whether you're a seasoned professional or just starting out in this industry, this podcast will be for you. I'm looking forward to sharing my experience with you, answering your questions, and helping you navigate the exciting world of interior design. So let's get started on the business of beautiful spaces and explore the art of creating beautiful and functional spaces while running a successful business. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the business of beautiful spaces. Today, I want to talk about reducing project costs without compromising quality, how to cut down your overall project pricing. Because as we all know, uh, COVID times where we were in hot, hot, hot demand, and you were turning probably away business, um, those days are not as on the forefront. Things have normalized a little bit more and maybe even retracted a little bit. Um, I hate to be the Debbie Downer. That's never my goal. And so I try to stay super positive. Um, But of course, we've all seen a shift in our industry. And these are the times that allow us a little bit more time in our schedule to assess and see uh, where our clients have had those uh, moments <laughs> where they look at you like, what? And normally that comes on the cost page of your presentation. So, you know, I've noticed a huge shift since COVID. My projects have literally doubled in price for the same amount of uh, product or construction or whatever the case may be. And so I am assessing and trying to figure out where and how I can save money, not just, um, for us to be able to keep in our pockets, but for our clients. And so uh, that's what I want to discuss today, how to reduce some of these project costs. Uh, Not that it's going to be 
a big difference. You're never going to come down 50%. That's just not what the market is allowing us to do. But trying to find ways in which um, we can save our clients money and our project costs so that we're um, staying apples to apples, if you will, with others. So the first thing is I want to talk about is the budget. I don't know how many of you discuss a budget with your clients ahead of time, or if you're an established business, um, that just doesn't come up because they know what they're walking into. But regardless, I think educating your client on where project costs are and where they're going to remain is really, really important. Taking into account all the expenses, including obviously labor material incidentals, having to allocate funds based on priorities and identifying areas where cost cutting is feasible. Um, I also think that it is super important to explain to them uh, where some other costs go. Now, we did a whole podcast, so I won't go back into it again, but there are other costs that come along with the project that shouldn't be negotiable. A lot of clients like to remove them, and I'll just touch on them lightly, is the cleaning fee. We always have a cleaning fee in our presentation at the end, and it is a four-digit number. It's typically in around the fifteen dollars to $2,000 mark. Um, that is not one clean. That is probably two or three cleans if there's construction. If it is just a surface clean from a decorating job, that obviously might be in the $500 mark, but I think it is super important to have that in there. A lot of our clients will say, well, let's remove it. We'll do it ourselves and or we'll have our cleaning crew come in who does our home regularly. And that is not the same thing. So I do push back on that because I want it to sparkle the way I expect it to sparkle. And we all know we've walked into homes that maybe don't value the same, uh, cleanliness that you value in your home and and no judgment there. That is just the way our business is. We see a lot of people's homes and how they live and what is okay by their standards, but that might not be your standard. And I'm not going to come into a home and deliver all this furniture with those little styrofoam balls that God knows they end up all over the place. You know, there's dust, there's debris. We all have long hair at my office. So we've left our hair on the floor probably. And I would not feel confident walking away and not having that home look amazing when we leave. We want not one thing out of place. I don't want to have my client come in to look at their room during a reveal and they see a styrofoam ball and bend over and pick it up because that's what I would do. <laughs> so I wouldn't remove that. So like I said, I won't go down the whole rabbit hole. You can listen to that episode. But these are the small things and incidentals that I will not remove because I do feel like it's part of the presentation and it's part of the service that I provide to my clients. And so that is something I won't compromise, I won't remove. So I'm not going to discuss those things today. I'm not going to discuss the small nuances of vent covers, light switches being switched out. I'm not going to tackle any of that. What I want to talk about mostly is bigger ticket items like vendor negotiations. Again, did a whole podcast on this, but it's really important that we now are talking to our vendors about how we can uh, save more money or put more money in our pocket or pass it on to our clients. Are there things that we could be doing? Are there different levels of, let's let's just use furniture, for example. If I was to use uh, a mid foam versus a high density phone or a feather, is there a feather wrap instead of full 100% feather seats? Like, Are there ways that we can incorporate and still have elevated elements for our clients, but do it at a price point that helps us sell our product and the look for our client will still producing and giving a quality driven product to the end user. So go back and listen to that one for that. But also, where else can you get bulk discounts or long term contracts for ongoing partnerships? Is there a less expensive supplier out there without compromising quality? Like for me, I'm Canadian, it's really important to me to keep Canadian made products. All of our custom made furniture is Canadian made. 
um, very locally driven. So of course, that's helping my costs come down because I'm not buying and having it shipped from somewhere else. But I'm also able to promote the Canadian made element, which also goes into sustainability. Um, So those things are also something to consider. Where is your product coming from? Are you paying fees just to have it shipped here? And is that something that you can bring the cost down? So that local resourcing is also another element that I would look at. So the budget planning, vendor negotiation, and local sourcing run number three. Um, Sourcing materials that are local, reducing those shipping costs. Local suppliers also offer competitive pricing and a quicker delivery um, without compromising your quality control. Consider any recycled or reclaimed materials that can often be more cost effective. Look at your energy cost savings and even gas to deliver, like all of these these things will add up. So reusing or repurposing, if you're someone that does any uh, resources that way, and you're repurposing any existing furniture, that's really going to help cut costs. So any repeat client that you've had, this is actually happening to me right now on quite a few projects, they're coming back from 15, 20 years ago, and I supplied custom made furniture to them at the time, and I still use the same vendor. So he will reupholster his own his own product. He will not reupholster product that he didn't make. So it's allowing me to save the client, obviously, uh, cost in buying new or just recovering. Now, with that, there is still the cost of going and picking up that furniture and bringing it back to the manufacturer. And there's still the added cost of bringing it back. But they're going to get a quality product because that product has already lasted them 15 years. They're calling me back for a reason. They are very happy with the shape and the classicness of it. And even if it isn't a shape that they love, or there's something about it that is a bit dated, we can change that. Like we're changing what we would call the Paris chair, um, which you all know it as a dining chair tufted back. It was really popular 15 years ago. I know you can still get it at big box stores, but we don't obviously put that into any of our projects anymore. It's quite dated. So now we can use the same frame and I can make it a channel back dining chair which is really on point, still super classic. The clients know that the quality of the the frame is still there. And we would rip it all apart. We'll put in new foam. We'll put in all the new guts in there and then we'll reupholster it. So they are saving money. In addition to we're not adding anything to a landfill. We're not having to sell anything. So we're reducing their cost. And we still know that we're producing a quality product for our client. So that reusing, repurposing, or if you're doing any um, projects that you know, that you would go and do some shopping at uh, antique stores or a resale store or a consignment store, then obviously those are great ways to save for your client as well. Um, the DIY and upcycling, I'm not going to lie, I know nothing about it. This is not my forte. But obviously, there are great ways there to save money if you um, if that's the clientele that you're geared towards. Um, the one place I could really see that this would be a huge benefit is artwork, small furniture items, cocktail tables, maybe lamps. But then again, someone like me, I'm not a do it yourselfer I would have to now pay someone to spray that or rewire it. And so that's cost effectiveness is not there for me, but it would be for someone who does this regularly. So let's jump on to the next one, which is space planning. So optimizing your space planning to minimize the need for excessive furniture decor. Obviously, that also depends on the type of uh, decor that you design. I tend to lean um, more on the traditional side. So that tends to have a lot more furniture in it. But if you are leaning on the more modern side, you might be able to eliminate a lot of excessive little pieces that aren't needed. Um, and that would definitely help your budget as well. And focusing on multifunctional pieces that serve multiple purposes can also help your clients cut down um, some of the costs that might be a part of that project that's driving our 
our prices through the roof right now. Digital tools. Utilizing digital tools and software for virtual planning, visualization, reducing the need for any mock-ups, things that drive hours in your business that are going to that are going to actually make your your fees higher as long as you're making it up on your product and you're not losing money. I think there are ways to utilize um digital tools to be able to minimize some hours for you there. And project management. So obviously, we've talked about this at nauseam, but it is so important to be efficient. And with that, if you're not efficient, it definitely will have delay, you'll have uh, cost thing, like you'll make mistakes, you'll have things that cost you money. If you're not using project management tools and processes, which are key to any business, you need to get on that that should be your first priority so that that way, you don't have any mistakes happening that are just silly mistakes that are costing you money on every project. So that would be the first thing that you would need to buckle down on if you don't have a process, get on at ASAP, um, sit down, write down every single thing you do at every stage of your design business and start using that as a tool. And as you're doing the next project, you keep adding to it, you keep that beside you and you just keep adding to it. Um, Or subtracting if you found that things have, have become obsolete, and you don't do it anymore, remove it. But you'll have this checklist moving forward every single time you start a project, then you won't miss anything. You're not letting something slip between your fingers, and then it costs you money at the end. So project management is absolute key. And then you can anticipate and plan for any potential potential issues um, and minimize their impact on your budget and your client's budget in the end. So that would be my probably should have been my number one project management processes. You need to make sure that that is part of your business. And if it's not, get on it. (laughs) So um, one thing you can do is open up to competition, like see who else is out there, who else does what your what's your number one driving cost of any project or whatever element, like for us, it's custom furniture, it's it's huge for us, and then it becomes drapery. I mean, obviously, construction would always be number one. Um, but that's something, you know, there's no compromise there. Equality is absolutely important. So it starts coming down to some of the elements we can control. So I would figure that out for yourself, use your accounting software, figure out where you've been cutting checks at the biggest amount, see who is your driver, who are you giving the most money to out of your business every single month and year, and use that as a tool to see how much you're giving somebody And then you'll kind of figure out what you're spending in a year. And now you can start shopping and seeing if there's someone else that you would like to try. I know that's always a gamble. I always call it throwing the dice, like using somebody new is scary. But at some point, it might be a necessity to see what else is out there. And hopefully, fingers crossed, it's better. (laughs) But uh, if you're getting the same equal product that you're happy with, but you're getting it at a better price, it might be worth exploring. So that's something else to to uh, consider is opening up contracts to competition. So regularly reviewing and updating a list of approved vendors to ensure ongoing competitiveness in the industry. Reducing project timeline. So um, if you've been doing design a long time, you're going to know very quickly how long a project's going to take you. Just in general, if it's a if it's a design project, our longest lead time is custom furniture. It's sixteen weeks. Uh, We know that 16 weeks, four months um, isn't a long time. It goes by really quickly, but not for our clients. But if that's something that you're trying to quicken these items up so that you can fit more items in your pipeline, this might be something to consider because then you're actually producing more in the year and able to put more projects in the bank, literally. So set realistic but efficient deadlines 
minimize labor costs to prevent unnecessary projects extensions. Like you're not tracking it as long. You're not making sure everybody's on it. You're get these projects done quicker. Maybe don't do custom if that's the case. And then you can go from there and having a fast and efficient uh, system to reduce project duration. So you're turning over more and you're turning over quickly. So there's some other strategies that you know, I've tried, uh, I will, I will mention them, but wasn't super successful job rotation strategy, trying different people in different seats to see if leveraging any skill sets would make us more efficient. But really, um, I think if you hire correctly, then you've got the right person in the right seat. It does mean that they're doing their job efficiently. The only other thing that I found helpful about it is cross training any team members it led to increased flexibility and efficiency within our design process. If somebody was sick or took a week off or two weeks off, um, it meant that someone else could easily step into their job. So think about that one, but it's not a direct line to efficiency. It takes time. The process improvement, as I mentioned, I think continuously evaluating and redefining your design process and identifying any efficiencies or finding the ones that are super efficient and maximize those and use your team members to implement improvements and enhance productivity. This will reduce cost. Now, if you don't have a team, I think the other thing to consider is outsourcing. I know I've mentioned it multiple times on this um, podcast. Outsourcing can save you money. I have done the math multiple times with uh, renderings in our business and by buying all the products that I would need to buy for the online software and then to have somebody sit and do those renderings, it was far cheaper. Like, let me give you an example. Per rendering, we pay $299 a rendering. Now you can go on to Thornton Designs Instagram and you can look at you can look at our um, our renderings that we use. We also use them as part of our social media campaigns. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised, but for $300, I cannot pay somebody. I can't even pay for the software in a month, all the different softwares we would need. So uh, keep that in mind. Sometimes we don't realize how much things will cost. And obviously there's a game you have to play with finding the right people and the right person that does something that you find is a representation of you and that you're proud to put out as a representation of your design. I did try to find some, somebody came into my DMs about a year ago, maybe it was even more than that. It was during COVID and uh, said, we'll do this for, we do, we'll do the exact same thing for a hundred dollars. Like, all right, let's give it a try. Oh my God, it was terrible. It was embarrassing, actually, to the point where, you know, shame on me. But they were right at a school. They said they were at a school. I thought, okay, let's give them a try. Let's see. I tried to, you know, I wrote back and said, can you please change this, this, and this? It was awful. So on top of paying them, because, you know, they did do the work, I then had to go back to our original renderer and pay the money again. Um, And then when we did use them on our social media, the younger people who had just come out of school and were trying to start their own business wrote me and said, Oh, my gosh, you didn't use our photos. If you didn't like them, you should have told me. And and they're right. So I did have a conversation with them. And I did say it just wasn't up to what we would consider um, putting in front of our clients. So when you get better at this, give us a call back, we'll reassess. But it wasn't worth the savings. (laughs) In fact, it cost me more. So it cost me time because they were slower. And then it cost me the additional money to have to go back and pay someone to do it again and wait another, you know, three or four days to get the product back. So consider outsourcing. Honestly, um, those tasks, you know, whether that's from administration or accounting or uh, in my case, it's rendering. We also outsource an accountant. We use an accounting firm. Um, It reduces all that cost and gives me time back, which might not be a direct 
quantified number, but it absolutely does. So keep that in in mind too, right? It might not be something you see right away, but over a year, you'll see how that adds up and reduces cost and actually puts money in your pocket because you can upcharge for those renderings as well. So uh, the last one I want to talk about kind of goes hand in hand with um, client management and revenue collection. So, you know, focusing on profitable clients and tailoring your services to their needs will maximize your revenue opportunities for sure. Um, I know it's hard right now because nobody wants to turn any business away. Who does, right? You want to take everything that comes your way. But if you start taking all these little small ones, then this is small ones that we all know drive us absolutely mental. Um, <laughs> you know, they're the ones that drive the hours. All of a sudden, this quick, easy, you thought it was going to be a, a few extra dollars in the bank this month turn out to be the nightmare job. Those are the ones that if we take those small things on, it doesn't allow us to leave room for when the big ones come in full rooms or full homes. And I know that's the goal for most of us. So uh, making sure that we focus on the right clients and use our branding and use all of our social media. If you're on LinkedIn, if you're on um, Instagram, Facebook, whatever tools you're using, make sure you're actually putting your efforts towards the right client that you're hoping to seek. If you are stuck in the do-it-yourself uh, realm and that's what you're putting out on your Instagram, but that's not what you want to be doing, then you're not going to get those people because they think that you're do-it-yourself. So just make sure you're also looking at your your branding and making sure that that is all cohesive. And then that automatically will implement effective strategies to reduce any... Um, revenue. So if you're getting the right client, then you're not going to be doing the loop of, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay my taxes as we all approach tax season? And having the right profitable clients, obviously your revenues go up and that'll improve your cash flow. So those things, these items, if you're incorporating any of these cost strategies It'll further optimize your team's efficiency. Allocating resources in a more effective way will help all of your interior design projects be more profitable. So this might be a little bit repetitive, but it's a good time of year as we're coming into March really, really, really quickly. Um, our first quarter, if you're if you're at an annual year of January to December, it's not it's not too late to still be looking at this for the year. So I wanted to throw this out there because I know I'm going through it right now too, trying to figure out how we can be more efficient. I mean, I'm always doing it, but it still feels early enough in the year that it can make a difference. And so I wanted to address this because I figured other people would be doing the same thing and it might be helpful. But certainly, um, you know, going through and making sure that your business is running the way that you want it to be running and if we're taking the time right now when things may be a little bit more quiet than they were in, say, 2021, 2022, and early 2023, um, it'll allow you to be more efficient moving forward. And I, that's all the goal is here is to make sure that everybody is um, having uh, their business run in a way that is positive. So with that, I am asking any of you to give me ideas of what it is that you want to hear about, what you want to learn about, what you are, have been wondering. If you're sitting at your desk and you're thinking, geez, like, I really would love to know this about someone else's design business. Can you do me a favor and drop me a DM or email me at laura at the business of beautiful spaces.com? Because I would love to know your ideas. I would love to know what it is that you are seeking information on. And if I have those answers, or I can give you some insight to what I do, then I would be happy to share that. So definitely let me know what you're seeking, because I know this is a lonely, lonely <laughs> world of interior design running our businesses. 
I know. I remember it still is, even though I do have a team. Um, it's not that it's a team of, of equals. Everybody else is still learning. And so I also seek information and I am still reading the books and I'm still doing all the deep dives to make my business more efficient and better every single day. So if I can help you with yours in any way, that's the goal. So you let me know what you need and I will see if I can help out. And with that, I'll leave you for the week and see you next week. Keep designing. Keep designing.